Today's Tanya for the 14th of Teves, Yudalit Teves, is in Pedic Tes, chapter 9, on page 143 in the Lessons in Tanya. Earlier in this chapter, the Al-Tarebbe explains how each of the souls, the godly soul and the animal soul, have their own dwelling place. The animal soul is primarily in the heart, in the left side of the heart. The godly soul is primarily in the brain and from there spreads to the rest of the body, including also the heart, but in the right side of the heart. And that the two nishamas, the two souls, are not at peace with each other, but are at war with each other. And the battle is over the body. The body is like a city, and each of the souls wants to control and rule over the city. Not only are they fighting over control of the city, where one wants to exclude the other, but what's more is that the godly soul actually wants the animal soul to also obey and do what the godly soul wants. So that not only are they fighting like two kings, fighting over a city, and the king who gets the city is content to have the city and the other king can leave, but as the Alter Rebbe describes it, the love of the, anim- of the godly soul, when it overflows its borders and flows also into the left side of the heart, its intention is to cause the animal soul to also love God. And in that way, affect not only the behavior of the body, but also the emotions of the body. What kind of love for God can influence the animal soul, that the animal soul should also begin to love godliness. This is what the Rebbe is going to explain in today's shir. This love is called, in, in, in the Pasuk, in Shirashirim, it's called Ava B'Tainugim. It's a different kind of love. And that is, It's an experience of pleasure in godliness, that is a foretaste, an example of what it's going to be like in the world to come, when all pleasure will be from godliness. So this is distinguished from another level or category of love that is called an intense, fiery love. But here, the love is more pleasure and less fiery. And pleasure who the light or pleasure is felt in the brain where the Chachma and the Seichel take pleasure in the knowledge of God, in the understanding of godliness. And that's why the pleasure will depend on the capacity of the, of the intelligence. The greater the intelligence, the more one understands godliness, the greater is the pleasure. The other level of love, the Ava Aza Kirish is a fiery love, an intense emotional love. The Ava Bitainugim is compared to water rather than to fire. And water is a calmer love because pleasure is not from a distance, whereas love, the love that is Ava, 
is from a distance, meaning that the, the two things, the, the, the person and what he loves, are two separate beings. And that's why there's an intensity to the love, a fiery aspect to the love, because the love has to overcome that distance. Pleasure, on the other hand, exists only when the object of your pleasure is available and close. When it's far away, there is no pleasure. So that's called water. And so it comes from the element of water, which is in the brain, which produces pleasure. It is also an element of light. It is shebigdushas nefesholikis. It's an element of of light because we find that water is derived from light, or light produces water. We see, for example, that on the first day of creation, God said, "Let there be light." On the second day, He separated the waters. We also find that in in Job in Eve, we find rain described as light like the clouds give off their light and what they mean is their rain the water so light is the source of water so if we want to trace back the pleasure that the godly soul feels in its knowledge of God we trace it to the mind the mind is the element of water water comes from light and light is ultimately the source of the pleasure and with this this kind of a love that is the element of water and light that produces pleasure it is this love it is this love that can transform to the good the water of the animal soul the water of the animal soul is its pleasure as we learned earlier and the pleasure of the animal soul can be transformed to a love of God only through the kind of love that is itself also water. So the fiery love will only conflict with the pleasures of the animal soul. But when the godly soul's love turns to pleasure, the element of water of the godly soul, the godly soul's pleasure can influence and change the animal soul's pleasure. Shemehem, because it is from the water of the animal soul that Bo Taivas Tainugelam has a it is from the element of water from which the pleasures of this world derive in the first place. In other words, the pleasures expressing themselves in physical things, this is the result of the original and essential pleasure of the animal soul. And as it says in the Eitzchayim, that the evil can be transformed into good, literally like the Yetzetayv. And how is that? By taking away the unclean garments, removing the unclean garments, which are the pleasures of this world in which the animal soul is clothed. The animal soul's nature the nature to seek pleasure in physical things, this is a garment in which it is clothed. The nature is its garment. The essence beyond the garment is generic pleasure, not necessarily physical pleasure. 
So the element of water is what produces the physical pleasures. It produces the, the inclination. You begin with a neutral pleasure, a force, an animal soul that seeks pleasure, and then it is inclined towards the physical by its nature. And that's the element of water. The essence of the animal soul is not the pursuit of physical pleasures. The essence of the animal soul is the desire for pleasure in whatever form, without any specific inclination. So by removing the inclination towards the physical, which is a garment, although a garment with which the animal soul is created, but nevertheless it is not its essence, so by removing the nature of the animal soul or the garment of the animal soul we get to the essence of the animal soul and the essence of the animal soul can be channeled into godliness and then it becomes like the godly soul or like the Yetzatev Mamash the same is true with all other emotions until now we've described only love but all the other emotions those that are branches of love and fear all of them too, the godly soul wants that Hashem that they should all be exclusively for God. And all the speech in the mouth and the thought in the mind, in other words, the garments of the soul, So the personality, the emotions of the animal soul should become godly. This is what the godly soul wants. And that the behavior of the animal soul should become godly. So that the body should behave only in a holy fashion. He should think and speak and do only what is godly. And that means that there should be thoughts only of God and Torah. And this should be his conversation. This is what he should speak of all day without any interruption, without any exception. And the, act, the action ability of the hands and of the other limbs should be devoted and engaged in the act of mitzvahs alone. And that is the third garment of the godly soul, the garment of action. And that too should be exclusively godly. So we see that the coexistence of the godly and animal souls in the same body is not peaceful at all. The godly soul has very intense ambitions concerning the behavior of the body and the emotions of the body including the emotions of the animal soul itself. But the animal soul that comes from Klippa, that say, no, its desire is the exact opposite. As much as the godly soul demands total devotion and total surrender from the body, that the body should be completely responsive and bottle to it, the animal soul demands an equal, an equally intense devotion to it. And so the battle is a very, very intense one. Why should this be? 
why should a person be trapped between these two souls? And why should the two souls have to contend with each other? This is all for the benefit of the person. She is that he should prevail over the animal soul and vanquish it. As in the example of the Zayna of the harlot which is given in the Zayar. The Zayar says that when the king wants to test his son, bring out his moral strength, so that he be deserving of, uh, of inheriting the throne, what the king does is that he hires or, re- or requests of a woman that, who is devoted to him, a devoted subject, and he asks her to seduce the king, the prince. And in order for the test to be a, a valid test, to bring out the true strength, moral strength of the prince, the test has to be an intense one, a serious one and an intense one. The stronger the test, the greater the rewards. So this woman has to tempt the prince as best as she can. However, she knows what the purpose of the test is, and therefore, even as she is carrying out the instructions of the king and doing her best to tempt the prince, she knows that the intention or the purpose of the test is for the prince to not fail and to not be tempted and to prevail. The problem is that in that knowledge she finds herself incapable of truly tempting him because she knows that the intention is that she should fail and that the prince should succeed. And so in order to make the test a truly valid one, she in turn asks us a friend of hers to do the tempting. And this friend of hers is not as familiar with the plan and is not as close to the king as the first woman, so her testing will be more sincere, more, more grubby. But even she is too close to the original plan, she's too close to the kavana, and she too can't truly test, so she asks a friend of hers. And so on four times, until by the time we get to the fourth woman, she really believes that the purpose of the test is to make the prince sin. And that's the condition of the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah begins in heaven as a divine creation created to test man for man's benefit. But in knowing that, the Yetzirah itself becomes invalidated from the testing. And so it comes down to a second world, to the world of Bria, and then from there to Yitzhida, and from there to Asiya, until it comes down into this physical world. By the time it comes into this physical world, it itself has forgotten the Kavana. And that's why the testing is so real, and the testing is so valid. It's not merely a gimmick, because by the time it gets down here, it has forgotten the Kavana, and it takes its role very seriously. But we know that behind it all, the, the purpose of the conflict between godly soul and animal soul, the reason that the animal soul is created to resist the godly is in order to test the person, in order to bring out his full moral strength. In the Hayyim Yem for today, the 14th of Teves, the Rebbe writes that Hasabe Mishpola, Mishpola Zede, Hoyeish Nilhav Ma'id. He was a very intensely emotional person, very warm. 
ביסר סייס ויסר עוז על שאר חבריו תלמידי המגיד. Even more so than his colleagues, the other Talmidim of the Magid. They were all very warm and intense people, but he was exceptionally warm. Bibikure Biladi, Etel Rabbeinu Hazokin, when he was visiting the Alta Debbe in Ladi in the year 1809 or 1810, Sipe, he related, Asher Bihyese Ben that when he was three years old, he saw the Baal Shem Tev. And he said that the Baal Shem Tev placed his holy hand on my heart, and ever since then I have felt warm, warm-hearted. The moral of it is that Tnuas Tzadik, a gesture of a Tzadik, and certainly seeing the tzaddik, or hearing his voice, it has to affect us so deeply that it should never be forgotten. This reflects what we're learning in Tanya today, in that the godly soul wants to affect the animal soul in such in a in a way that the animal soul itself becomes godly permanently, an unforgettable influence and unforgettable impact on the animal soul. So the tzaddik representing the godly soul should have an effect on the animal soul representing the person by from hearing it and from seeing it and from his gestures that the animal soul should become permanently changed.